Thank you. Good morning, church. That's better. All right. Um, it's great um, to be speaking this morning, and I'm praying and trusting God that today He will speak to our hearts and really bless us because I feel like this topic um, has blessed me probably a lot as I prepared and looked at the scriptures on this. So, Today we're going to be talking about purifying our lives from idolatry. You see, as part of our encounter series, we have been talking about how we know more of God, how we begin to seek God and begin to try and know his will for our lives individually. But also for us as a church, because we're trusting God to bring us close to the heart of his will and his purpose. So, in 2007, if you were here, there was a global crisis. And some movies have been made about this crisis, um, and even books written. At the center of this global scandal was the idolizing and inordinate position of money, power, greed. In the midst of this, Many people took their, li- their own lives, um, but also many families were impacted in a very negative way because of the impact of the choices a few people made. This shows the impact of how idolatry corrupts on a global scale, um, but there are also implications for us as individuals. It also shows the futility of placing our hope in anything that cannot bring lasting fulfillment. Our story today is about Josiah, who became king at a time when Israel was far from God and idolatry and a rejection of God was the order of the day. We will also look at how this is relevant to us today, because when we talk about idols, it probably has different applications for us. So if you have a Bible, let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter 34, Verse 3 to 7, it will be on the screen. I will ramble on very fast because I want to save some time. Um, In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still king, he began to seek the God of his father, David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Hashua poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars and he purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim and Simeon, as far as Naphtali and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles, and crushed the idols to powder, and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. Now, let's give a little bit of context here. Um, Let's look and understand God's relationship with Israel. Because often we talk about God's people, Israel, a nation of God's people. But the reality is that um, the image on the screen, which you'll see shortly, shows 
um, generations from the time of Abraham to Jesus, God actually started a relationship with one man. And that's really important because it's often easy to think Israel was a nation, but actually Israel came through the covenant that God had with one man whose name was Abraham. He promises to bless him, and out of him, he says, will come a great nation, a people that God can call his own. God was seeking a special covenant relationship, and he renews this covenant time and time again with different people as the nation of Israel begins to grow. God commits to be their God, and it's almost like a blank check. I'm going to be your God, but in exchange, I want you to obey me, to do my will, to follow me. So God was their God, but he wants them and encourages them not to worship other idols. Okay, God was asking them to love, trust, and obey him. And he continues to build his relationship with them over and over again. But sadly, many times, the Israelites chose to go after other gods. If you look at that, um, um, you see those are the patriarchs. Um, the question is, why did we move from patriarchy to having kings? Because this guy said, we want a king. Okay, we want a king. So consciously, constantly, Israel rebelled against God and went after other gods. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 32 uses the analogy of a marriage, covenant marriage relationship. It likens Israel's rebellion to, the, to um, breaking a covenant relationship in a marriage, being unfaithful. But God, despite this, sought every time to restore them back and to bring them into his will. Israel could not be farther from God at the time of Josiah when he became, becomes king. His father Ammon and his grandfather Manasseh were typically really ungodly. And the Bible uses the word wicked kings who did evil in God's eyes. Let's look at a snippet of Josiah's grandfather, what he did. Second Kings chapter 21, verse 4 to 6. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord has said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. In the two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his own son in the fire. Practice divination sought omens and consulted mediums and spirits. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. Now, idolatry starts with a rejection of God. But let me say it also opens a world of darkness because it is ruled by Satan and his forces who seek to pervert God's plan and purpose for his people. Manasseh is involved in all sorts of evil practices, including sacrificing his own son. These evil practices are inspired by the devil, and ultimately, they hold people in bondage. These practices are still happening today, to different levels in different cultures, and we must be alert as Christians, because these things talked about here Divination, consulting mediums and spirits still happen in our world today. 
And people will call it different things. Um, in Africa, we use the word native doctors, and they are people that people will go to to tell them things about their lives. Maybe in our Western world, we'll call them fortune tellers, um, palm readers. Just want to say, if you attempted to be part of that, I want you to realize that is abomination to God. And what it does is opens the devil and opens all sorts of dangerous spirits into your life. And I want to pray and hope that no one goes in that direction because that is idolatry and is abomination to God. Amen? Amen. Was that okay? Yes. Great stuff. First thing, Josiah seeks God because we're talking about Josiah breaking down idols and destroying those things that his father and his grandfather had done. You see, even though his parents had gone against God, Josiah somehow makes a clean break. He chooses not to follow after them. And I don't know why he had that resolve and experience. It might be there was someone who inspired him. It might be he had heard stories about, by the way, David was not his father, as that scripture says, you know. But the fact is that even though David was 14 generations before Josiah, the zeal that David had for God was the same zeal that Josiah had for God, you know. So we can be encouraged by this story if we're in a similar place where darkness, rebellion against God thrives. We are encouraged to stand for God and meet people who might say, I don't believe in God, or might say really nasty things about God. Josiah, I, I used to work in a place where every single day I went there, I ate something another word for God, which was just derogatory and really bad. But we can be in those places and still stand for Jesus. You see, Josiah decides, despite the environment he came from, to stand for God. You paint a picture in your mind. His grandfather had been an idol worshipper. His father was an idol worshipper. What do you think the palace was like when Josiah became king? full of idols and full of people who were loyal to his father and his grandfathers. But Josiah decides, I'm going to worship the true God. I'm going to follow after God. And that was not going to be an easy thing. And so I encourage you today, if you come from a family of people who don't believe in God or who don't believe in Jesus, God raises people in families to make a difference. And you might be that one person God's using from your family to say, I'm going to step out of line. I'm going to stand for Jesus and be an example in my generation. Amen. We should be courageous because if God is on our side, nothing can be against us. Amen. And that is what Josiah did despite being young. Okay. So even if you're young like me, you can still stand for Jesus. I know Joe likes that. Psalm chapter 14 verse 2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there's any who understand, who seeks God. Amen. We're talking about seeking, desiring after God, which is what Josiah did. First Chronicles 16.11 says, Look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. 
Isn't that what we're designed as a church? That we will be a people who desire after God, who go after God, who want the will of God, who stand in leads to be different. And I've heard lots of things about leads, but we can be a people of God in this city. Amen. And people who are courageous to share the love of Christ. It just does not seek God. And out of his seeking, Josiah recognizes that there were idols. So the second thing Josiah does is he rejects these idols. In seeking God, he must first destroy the idols of his fathers. And Josiah did that. Josiah wanted to be true to the covenant of God. He must have heard what God had promised Israel. He must have heard how God had been faithful and had been good to the people. And he knew that if they could only stand on God's side, then they would be a free people. Josiah was determined to take Israel back to the time when Israel followed after the true God. And that's what God wants us to do. How does this relate to us today? Because we're talking about idols, Asherah poles. That's all strange to me. I'm not sure what they mean. Apart from the fact that there are idols, some bad thing that God does not want the people to do. But how does this relate to us today? As Christians, we are God's chosen people. We have a special covenant with God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have a covenant with God, you know? You know? And you better take this covenant seriously. You see, Ephesians chapter 2 says, it says we are God's own special people. We used to be far from God, but through the new covenant, he has brought us into his own covenant and he's made us his own people. The same commandments that God gave to the Israelites, they apply to us today. It says to them, you cannot worship other gods. Today, God is saying to us, do not worship any other god. In our Western culture, there may not be the widespread worship of physical idols. But there are many things that can often take the place of God in our lives. Things that we look to for satisfaction and fulfillment. Things that we look to when we are depressed and seeking comfort. In general, idols are anything that we seek to replace God in our hearts. And that, that includes anything that we look to us for our former source of joy, fulfillment, and sense of identity. If something gives you your sense of worth and identity, so much so that if you lost it, you would have a breakdown or a crisis in your life, that thing is your idol. If it is so fundamental, you cannot live without it. That thing has become an idol. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 13. It says, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their heart. Interesting. They're not physical anymore. They've set up idols in their hearts. And put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I inquire? Should I let them inquire of me? It almost feels like God is saying, These people have put something that is more important to them than I am. Would I want to listen to them? 
Will I want to be seen of them? Will I want them to seek me? What he's saying is idols can stop us from intimacy with God. If we're seeking God this year, we want to know God's will, idols can actually block that. Our heart condition is important in our relationship with God. Actually, Tim Keller uses the word idol factories. And what he's trying to say is that our hearts can be places where things become more important and we put them well above God. Um, Ultimately, these things lead us away from God's truth because they make us think they are more important than God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And you can put anything there. For you, it might be your work or career. It might be romantic love. If you're very young, you know, um, you've seen people who say, if, if I don't get that girl, I'm going to die. I don't think it's true. Some of you have been there before. It might be power. Just that desire to be in control. To, to just make sure everybody does only what you want them to do. It might be success. It might be popularity. It might be financial security. It might be comfort. These things in themselves are not bad things. But when they take the place of God in our lives, they ultimately pervert God's purpose for those things. And um, that's what God is saying to, to us today. That if there's something which has so much faking your heart that it becomes the ultimate, that thing has become an idol. And ultimately, you cannot find joy or fulfillment in that. You see, for me, something which I identify in my life as something which is an idol is my work. I grew up with a strong belief. I saw my mom work really hard. That's not to say my dad didn't work hard. Um, and I grew up that, with that understanding. I, I, you know, I want to really work hard. I believe that if you work hard, things work well. And when I unpack my relationship with work, what I see underneath is a desire to make a lot of money. And possibly where that comes from is because I want to have financial security. I want to make sure that I can take care of business. Some of you, I come from Nigeria, and in Nigeria there's no pension system. So you've got to take care of yourself when you are young, otherwise later in life you might struggle. So I grew up with that mindset, if I can work and work and work, I can take care of myself. But the reality is that what that is doing to me is enslaving me to work. And ultimately, it means that I will find fulfillment in work. And when you begin to know something is an idol, it's when it stops you from being obedient to God. And I would like to think I'm a generous person. But my idolizing of work sometimes means I struggle to be generous. And I don't know about you. You see, idols are very, very... Uh, uh, they are things that you have to unravel. You have to begin to look. Why do you believe this? You have to ask yourself, why am I making this a priority of my life? 
Because ultimately underneath, what God wants to do is to strip that thing away so that you can give God the full glory. Um, recently in our mission group, we were talking about the um, practice of Sabbath. And I struggle with it big time. I, I like the stuff. I believe that's what God wants us to do. But I struggle with it big time because I'm thinking, I don't even have enough time in the day to do what I want to do. And you tell me I have to take this time away to rest and to be focused. And that ultimately is because of where my heart is. And so what God's saying to us today is to strip down and to give those things over to him. Because ultimately work will not satisfy or will not take the place of God in my life. Amen. Amen. What are you currently looking today for your joy, fulfillment, or sense of identity? It might be a good career. It might be a good marriage. And I believe a good marriage is a blessing because it brings love and fulfillment. But ultimately, if we put the responsibility on our spouse to give us the fulfillment that only God can give, then we're going to struggle. That's the reality. Um, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. I'll read that quickly. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. What lies are we believing in our hearts about where our hope should be? The second question I want you to ask is, what could God ask you today to give up and you'll be unwilling to give up? I often think in our church family when people like um, Paula says God's leading them to go to some place, like, I'm not there yet. And I struggle sometimes in my heart and thinking, what, why, what is wrong? You know, that, that's what's going through my mind. Why do you want to leave the safety of the UK and go to be a blessing to some people in some other culture? What is it that God's going to say to you? Leave right now and you struggle to do that. That can be a point in your life that is an idol. A certain young man came to Jesus once and it was very bubbly. He was seeing people going around Jesus, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, you know that song, don't you? And he comes to Jesus and says, you know, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Very enthusiastic. He says, because all through my life, I've done this stuff. I've followed Christ. I've obeyed the word of God. But because Jesus, who was the master, who knew all things, knew that his idol was wealth, he says to him, young man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says, he followed Jesus, did he? No. The Bible says it turns back and goes away. He was not ready. And I pray that we are not at that point where there's something that's so strong in our lives that if Jesus were to say to us today, give it up, 
will say no. Amen. I'll wrap up soon. You see, the Bible is full of lots of people across scriptures because the central story of the Bible is the rejection of idolatry and the seeking of God. And God's not saying, just give this up. God's saying, go into me. Okay? That's idol worshipping. That's God. God wants us to keep pushing towards this end. And sometimes we'll be dragged back, okay, because there's something which is so attractive pulling us to this end. But that idea of God transforming us is saying, I'm going to reject that and I'm going to push myself to go towards God. And it's a journey. And that's why we're a family of people who challenge ourselves to say, seek God. Let's go after God. If you're not in a discipleship group, uh, discipleship triplet, I encourage you to. Because that's where we challenge one another to say, it's time to seek God. Whatever it is that's pulling you back. I pray that we can be those people who do that. This quote by this guy, and I really like this guy. He used to be an amazing goalkeeper. He says, the most important thing in my life in Christ is Christ. Is more important. This is Tim Howard, former Everton um, goalkeeper. It's more important to me than winning or losing or whether I'm playing or not. And I think he said this because he had lots of injuries in his life, in his playing days. But what he's saying is God's Christ is what is most important to me. I pray that that's our story. Finally, I'll just wrap this by saying Josiah repents. Later on in that same verse, the Bible says the book of the law is found because don't forget, long season of idol worshipping and suddenly because things are changed and Josiah was seeking after God, they find the book of the law which had been hidden away somewhere. And they bring it to Josiah and tell him the contents of, of it. And the Bible says that Josiah was heartbroken. He rent his clothes and he repented before God. Because he realized that Israel had gone so far away from God towards idolatry. And he wanted to make sure that the children of Israel turned back to the true God. And that's what God's asking us today, do today. To say, where are the idols in my life? What is, what is it that I'm holding strong in my life that is stopping me from seeking the true God? It might be my job. If you're listening to me today and you recognize like me that sometimes you have placed your identity in something that is not the true God. Here's a moment for you to give up that thing to God. God is seeking repentance and radical decisions like Josiah to purify ourselves from idols and the counterfeit gods we may have created in our hearts. I'm praying today that the strong grips of idolatry in our hearts will be broken in the name of Jesus and God's transforming work will begin to help us to first of all recognize what those idols are and to just come to Jesus in surrender and say, Lord, I give, I give this to you. I want to seek after you. I want to seek after your will. I want to seek after your way because I know if I am in your way, I will have true life, true hope. Because some of the crises that we face in life are linked up to our idols. And God's saying, enough. 
Give it up. Trust me. And I'll bless you. Let's just pray now. I want you to think in a moment in your heart and say, God, I feel this message is a moment of deep reflection. If God's going to use us as his people, Marty shared some amazing things with us today. But God's wanting to do a lot more. God wants the city of Leeds to be transformed for his glory. He wants our communities where we live to be transformed. He wants his will to be done. But these things can't happen if our lives are filled and occupied by idols. So I want you to willingly, really in your heart, bring that thing to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because your word brings life. Your word just does not come. It's not coming to us today to condemn us. But coming to bring repentance. And bring us to a place where we can seek you. Where we can search for you. Lord I pray this morning. Where we have built idols in our hearts. And put our trust and hope. Our fulfillment. Our joy in other things that annoy you. We come before you and say God. Have your way. Help us to surrender and to give those things over to you. And Lord, in in the place of those things, cause us to have a desire to seek you, to look for you, to want to know more of you, so we can truly be sold out for your kingdom. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.